Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here. Good morning, Tom. Sorry. Good morning. No, no, you're fine. Didn't mean to cut you off. And Eric is on the phone with us. Eric, good to hear from you, man. How's things in Starkville? Nice, bright, sunny day. So compared to the way a lot of days have been this fall, we're happy with that right now. Yeah, it actually feels like fall this morning. It's crisp and clear. So that's been a pleasant change. It was hot on Sunday, so it was two days ago. So Tuesday this time, we usually do these on Thursday, but uh, we had an opportunity to, to get Eric and had some other obligations this week, so we're catching this one on Tuesday. Speaking of fall time, it's October, end of October now. We hadn't really talked about football. Is that a subject? I know we all got our own team. We could, I guess we could let Eric comment on his team. They did well over the weekend. So we just we hadn't had a really discussion about football. No, we haven't talked about football, which is strange. But we're still to the point in the season where they haven't come out with the big BCS rankings. So yeah, what's up with that? Shouldn't they have already done that? I thought it was like early to mid-October. Now we're almost kinda, November. Maybe after this weekend there'll be some BCS rankings. I don't I don't know. You'd think that it would be out in October. Yeah. I remember back in 2014 after uh, – after we beat Auburn, that was mid-October, and that was the next week or the first week that the rankings ever came out. This is not—they're not expanding it this year, are they? It's still four teams. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. I don't remember. I just remember some discussion about them expanding it. Well, I think the number one team is uh, pretty much without question at this point. That could change, but they play pretty solid football, in my opinion. Odds are it'll be that team and another SEC team in Atlanta vying for the position for one SEC team to play in the top four. But who knows? Yeah, and that's going to be a shame if, if two of them don't make it. And there's a couple other ones that are streaking streaking in there too. I, well, there's been some good football. I mean, heck, I missed the nine overtime game on Saturday. You know what? I didn't like it. I watched it. I think I'd rather them back up to the 40 or 50 and try to score from there. That The two-point conversion thing, just I never really got into it. Of course, they weren't my teams either. We invited Eric on this morning. It's that time of year where we like to talk about hybrid selection, and we'll get to that. But, Eric, I wanted to ask you a question before we got going. So you're from Kansas, and everybody knows that. When you were growing up, did you ever top corn? Did you ever have that as a job? No, I did not. I worked for a sorghum seed company and uh, thinned research plots, uh, particularly breeding plots, but um, I, there wasn't any, any um, seed production of corn in the region where I, where I grew up. Okay. That was a foreign concept. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've seen it done, and that's pretty much the extent of my involvement in it and also the extent of my desire for involvement in it. doesn't look like something that you'd like to spend an afternoon doing. Yeah, I tend to drive by the farm out here that Corteva has and see them doing that on something that's one of the hottest days of the summer. And the porta pot next to it that they usually drop off for that and kind of chuckle about, A, the odor of that emanating from there on a 100-degree day and how that might just not be a lot of fun. Yeah, because it's not like they're cleaning that dude up No, at the end of the day. <laughs> and there's no telling where they're bringing that thing from. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move on from <laughs> porta potties into cornfield. Tom's a downer again. <laughs> <laughs> Blame it on me. 
All right, Eric, preparing for the 2022 crop, Tom and I have had a couple conversations about that. With We had Daniel Stevenson on. We talked about burn down, and then we talked with Brian and Will about you know, just economic considerations. So this is the time of year, you know, one of the traditional things that we're doing for crop management this time of year is variety selection, in your case, hybrid selection for corn. So to get us started on that, when you have a conversation with somebody about selecting a corn hybrid for next year's crop, what are some of the things that you encourage them to consider? Well, the main consideration is going to be yield potential. That's what most of the focus generally is on. Obviously, there's other characteristics that play a role in the profitability and the, how practical that, that hybrid turns out in terms of its performance that we can get to later, I guess. But yield is ultimately the number one topic of consideration. And Mississippi State does a, a lot of different independent tests of hybrids across the marketplace, I guess, to help growers make those selection decisions. That includes the the hybrid OVTs or the corn for grain hybrid trials that, that MAPIS conducts. We select a or two actually two sets of hybrids based upon performance in the MAPIS variety trials and plant those hybrids in select on farm tests that we call the MSU corn hybrid demonstration program. That also generates yield data, but it gives growers and consultants and extension agents and and everybody that is in that region an opportunity to not only supplement that that yield data, but look at the different hybrid characteristics during the year that may separate out or, or are important in terms of hybrid selection decisions as well. So, there's there's numerous resources that we can look at to, to help us with making hybrid selection decisions. Eric, take a second and describe for folks the difference between the MAFIS variety trial and then the on-farm program. Because some folks okay. might, you know, just looking at numbers, you don't always, I guess, realize the difference in the data that you're looking at. First of all, the the university variety trials or the MAFIS corn for grain hybrid trials is a large set of varieties that are that are tested in in selected locations. There's about seven or eight locations that those trials are planted in the state, either irrigated or dryland locations. But it's a large number of hybrids planted in small replicated plots. With corn, in the case of corn, they're normally testing somewhere in the neighborhood of 75, maybe 80 or more hybrids and trying to separate differences between those hybrids that are in the marketplace. And and one thing to keep in mind is that all the hybrids entered in any university trials are entered by the seed companies as a voluntary entry into, into those programs. We certainly appreciate their interest, and the growers certainly get a lot of value from that uh, because you can basically use that data to narrow the the field, basically, to a a point where you can see what what hybrids are in a select group or have superior yield potential, and then look at a few on your farm, or, or what we do is take about 15 of the best hybrids from the corn for grain hybrid trials and coordinate 
where we have this corn hybrid demonstration plots, which are planted in strip trials in, on growers' farms in about 20 or more locations around the state, both, again, a set of dryland hybrids as well as irrigated hybrids. But um, that's a select set of hybrids that are, you know, the cream of the crop. Those are actually grown in non-replicated trials. The advantage for replicated trials is that you're, you have at least four different replications of however many hybrids are in that test. So you get a lot more reliable yield data from that since the, each of those treatment comparisons is replicated or conducted at least four times. So when you have an on-farm trial, obviously it would take a, a tremendous amount of effort and time in order to put in replications in an on-farm situation where most farmers aren't set up to do that and it takes too much time. So we plant non-replicated trials in growers' fields where we can look at hybrid differences. Obviously, we'll collect yield data, but the yield data won't be as quite as reliable as it will from a replicated trial because you just don't have that replication or that duplication of results. So if you've got some field variability that comes into play, a hybrid on one side of the trial may be at a significant advantage compared to one on the other. And, and that's why the replicated trials duplicate your all your treatments multiple times throughout the plot. So it, it reduces that amount of variability influence on your yield data. So with that non-replicated on-farm test, Eric, the advantage is just a select hybrid in more environments or seeing it in a, a large plot. I envision like a six or 12 row plot going the length of the field, however long that is. So what's the positive part of the on-farm study? The positive part is that it, it gives folks an opportunity to look at the differences between those hybrids, whether it's the farmer, the consultants that's on that farm, local field men, extension folks, myself. We can go to those individual locations and, and quickly identify and familiarize ourselves with the, with the characteristics of those 15 hybrids that are in that field. And these, these plots are also planted in a lot more locations. So the hybrids are exposed to different environments all over the state. A lot of times we focus on, you know, how are these, how, how's this doing on my farm? If you're only looking at one location, you don't have exposure to different environmental events. And a good example of that was this year, we had a, a, a plot that was exposed to a significant windstorm in early June this year at one of our corn hybrid demonstration locations that literally broke the stalks off below the ear. And this was this is a condition known as green snap, where when those stalks are growing rapidly, they can be somewhat brittle during those periods of rapid growth prior to tassel. And if they're exposed to a you know, 30, 40, 50 mile an hour or more wind event, it'll snap that stalk off and basically leave that plant without an ear where that, that stalk is a, a total loss, catastrophic loss. This individual location, there was over, most of the hybrids had a significant amount of green snap occur and some of the hybrids had their yields reduced well over 50% because of this uh abnormal issue. This doesn't occur very often, I guess, in Mississippi. We see a little bit every year, 
We may see it in one or two of our locations and so forth, but if it happens to occur on your farm, it can cause significant yield loss. And, you know, this was a plot where the yield of, of the unaffected hybrids was well over 210 bushels an acre, and several popular, very good hybrids that have done very well elsewhere produce less than 100 bushels an acre because of this this weird phenomenon known as green snap. So that's why it's important, I guess, to, to look at hybrid characteristics in a lot of locations. You perform some of those observations, Eric, when you go out to those trial locations. And I know Brad does as well when the OVT hybrid trial group comes. They, they do some plant measurements and they walk through those to make sure that there's not an uncharacteristic amount of lodging or anything else that kind of stands out. And the only reason I know that is I look at all of the corn hybrid locations to look at the mostly just the disease issues. But I also try to capture if I'm in there and there looks like some lodging. Tell our listeners how you include that information then in those data sets that you provide that typically put it on the Mississippi Crop Situation blog. And then when you put out anything hard copy that, if I'm not mistaken, goes out usually about the time we're at short course how should farmers factor in those evaluations when they're choosing hybrids? Because that has got to be pretty important as well. I collect data basically from the corn hybrid demonstration program plots. We evaluate basically all the all the plant characteristics that we can think of or, or that appear to be important. We'll rate the maturity, the grain moisture, plant height and ear height, and then we'll evaluate all kinds of different stock lodging characteristics, as well as that green snap. In the past, we've had hybrids that, again, during pre-tassel stages, where we've had a, a rain event and some wind associated, where some of those stocks will actually lodge pre-tassel, and then they will stand back up within a few days. But there's lots of differences between the hybrids in, in whether they lodge that time of year as well, related to their rooting characteristics or perhaps other things, I guess, that are that are causing that stock to be weak at, at certain times. We'll also rate the test weight and other, other yield components. We'll have, I have student workers that work for me during the summer, and uh, they will, I'll send them to the plot, and they will actually count the number of kernel rows around the ear. They'll, they'll record the number of kernels from the tip to the base of the ear, ear and then we'll harvest the plot to harvest and come back and actually record the seed weight. So we've got all the data, I guess, that you physically can put together and determine the yield based upon all those individual yield component characteristics. And then the other thing, obviously, that, that you're looking for in the OVTs and we look at in the demo program as well as differences in disease resistance and, and other things that affect the productivity of the crop as well. Those information should be used to make a good informed decision then as to hybrid on specific farms. And certainly when you're considering in any of these locations where somebody may be growing corn for multiple years is to consider any of those foliar diseases that may overwinter in that field. The northern corn leaf blight, you know, throw in curvularia into that mix, southern corn leaf blight, which seems to occur more regularly in the last few years, uh, and then gray leaf spot. But most locations, I would I would suspect you don't typically run across gray leaf spot. You know, obviously yield is very important. I will say that the differences between hybrids and yield performance is usually within about 5%, maybe 10% at the 
amount of range you may see between hybrids. We're talking about relatively small differences in yield performance. Things like differences in in, in lodging and in disease resistance and some of these other things, whether it's green snap or other things, can have a profound impact on, on the harvestability and what, what you actually harvest and are able to carry to the elevator. So, What would you say, Eric, beyond yield? So you listed all several other parameters there, but after yield, what are the next two or three that you feel are most important when making that decision? Probably the most important is, is stock lodging. And, and I need to take a little time, I guess, and kind of break that out because I, I rate that differently. There's there several different types of stock lodging. And each one of those types, just like a disease resistance, is independent of the other. There's two primary types of lodging, either root lodging or stock lodging. Root lodging is the one that I would characterize as more important for a couple different reasons. Number one, root lodging is defined as when the entire stock just topples over. Obviously, the roots are responsible for supporting that stock. And for one reason or another, when high winds occur anytime after tasseling, there can be differences in the root strength among different hybrids. And the problem with root strength and, and, and what makes it worse than stock lodging is that when the entire stock falls over, it oftentimes, number one, dominoes over and knocks down stocks in the next row or beside it. So it can develop into a pretty extensive issue throughout the field. But when the stocks topple over, they lie very flat on the ground. So it's very difficult from a harvesting standpoint to get the snouts of the combine underneath of those stalks and effectively gather the ears off of those lodged root lodge stalks. The other thing is that when those stalks fall over, the, the roots partially dislodge. And if they do fully dislodge, it even makes it more difficult Obviously, the stocks don't normally go through the combine. The, the, the snouts of the combine grab those stocks and pull the ear off of there without the whole stock going through the combine. And when those plants root lodge and become partially dislodged from the soil, oftentimes it will pull the entire stock into the machine, which uh, greatly reduces the efficiency of the combine as well as pull, pulling dirt and other foreign material in there, which can reduce the efficiency of the combine as well as the entire gathering process. The other thing about root lodging is that it may occur, is actually more likely to occur right at physiological maturity. And that means that the corn is at high moisture, so we can't really use harvest timing to avoid this problem in many cases. For harvesting or wanting to harvest our corn, you know, in the low 20% range on down to 15%, a lot of the times the plants are a lot more susceptible to root lodging right at physiological maturity. Number one, the ear is going to be more heavy at any time. At that time, when it reaches physiological maturity, the, the kernels are going to be full of moisture, but it's going to reach all its, its maximum dry matter content at that time period. And from then on, it's going to, the plant's going to dry down. And when the plant has all its leaves intact, they're still green, it, it catches the wind really bad, and 
Oftentimes, we just finished irrigating that time of the year, so the soils may be relatively moist, and if we get a storm come through at that time, the, the root lodging issue can be a lot more, the plants can be a lot more susceptible to that than, than after the plants start losing some mass and start drying down. Yield and then root lodging, is there another parameter that you got on your mind? Stock lodging would be the other primary type of lodging, and stock lodging is just when the stock bends or breaks between ground level and the ear. That's an issue that's obviously caused by wind as well, and usually time where that stock starts to deteriorate after it reaches physiological maturity. That could be caused or, or precipitated by um, dry land fields that where you see some cannibalization of the stock as that plant is trying to fill out those kernels and have some stress on it late in the year where it will actually mobilize energy out of that stock to fill out those kernels in, in a, as much of a last ditch effort to put as much weight into those kernels as possible so it cannibalizes the, the vegetative material on the plant including the stock could be due to stock rots Tom so a lot of, a lot of things are going on there and the longer we get after physiological maturity, which typically will occur somewhere in early August in Mississippi, you know, April, early April, late March planted corn, the longer we get past there, the more likely we are to have stock lodging. Well, and I will add, Eric, I, I do agree with the with the whole stock rot issue. And the one that I've discussed recently, and I'd say in the last few weeks with some northern colleagues, tends to be any of those stock rot issues will tend to be a small area in a field. And I know you and I talked when I was walking some plots before they got harvested, you know, top breakage or when you get a portion of the stalk above the ear that may break over or fall down, that's not necessarily indicative of a stock rot associated with that. That's something else that goes on in that plant post-physiological maturity. And I think in a lot yeah. of cases, stalk rots and or foliar diseases get blamed for a tremendous amount of that across Mississippi. And that's not going to happen across an entire field. Uh, it's it, it's more random chance in a field than it is a whole field type scenario as a result of that. That situation that you described with the tops breaking out, I kind of characterize that as, as what I call stalk integrity. We will rate the hybrids in the corn hybrid demonstration program for that variable. There, there is a significant amount of differences between hybrids, and they're usually fairly consistent. Some hybrids just don't have a lot of integrity in that upper stock. We rate this primarily because I think it gives a not, – not that it's going to reduce yield at that time period or reduce harvestability if the top breaks out above the ear, but it does give an indication that that stock – is losing integrity, and um, if the top of the stalk is broken out, the, the leaves are falling off, things are deteriorating, it's just a sign that that stalk is deteriorating. And, and if, you know, we had rainfall during harvest that delayed harvest another couple weeks later. Oftentimes, I think you'll see a lot more stalk lodging in those hybrids that show, you know, less than desirable tendencies in terms of this stalk integrity or, or the tops breaking out. So, it's an indicator of, of future stock lodging issues is the way I characterize the, the stock integrity ratings. Where can folks go to find the information from your on-farm hybrid demonstrations and then to the variety trials? The on-farm or the 
MSU corn hybrid demonstration program results. We'll post that on the Mississippi Crop Situation Crops blog. The best place to find the MAFIS variety trials is to actually search for MAFIS variety trials. We'll have the, the short list of hybrids from the MAFIS variety trials and put that on the crops blog too and we'll we'll likely have a link on that page to the MAFIS variety trials but those would be the main main places where where you can find a lot of the, the key information that to help you make those corn hybrid selection decisions and some of that's downloadable right so I, I mean you can download yours as a PDF but if somebody wanted to look at the whole data series from the variety testing program they could download those as Excel spreadsheets and do some work themselves looking at averages and whatnot is that yeah. something you ever suggest or you know I'm sure there are some really savvy farmers that are doing that on their own yeah obviously I'd, I'd have my own data set. <laughs> with a pretty extensive list, you know, well beyond what is the the normal three year averages that are listed in the in the hybrid trials publication. But that information is available as preliminary data on the MAFIS Variety Trials website. You can download either PDFs or Excel spreadsheets of this year's data and it's been up there for a couple of weeks. And uh, obviously the full publication will be available probably here within the next two or three weeks, I would expect. Well, Eric, we uh, we certainly thank you for the time this morning. I think that's really pertinent and important information for farmers to consider when they're making decisions for corn hybrids. Uh, some of those things that we may not necessarily spend an awful lot of time talking about at presentations are certainly informative to consider when you're choosing a hybrid, uh, especially for the upcoming crop season. So we really appreciate the time this morning, Eric. Well, you're certainly welcome. And, uh, you know, if anybody ever has any questions, feel free to holler, email, text, um, follow me, follow us all on social media. We uh, put a lot of effort into uh, providing this material and be happy to help you in any way possible. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.